Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Brooke Skinner Ricketts, and I'm your host for today's Beyond Barriers podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to Singleton Beato, who is a deep thinker, clear leader, and just a joy to speak with. Singleton Beato is the Global EVP Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at McCann World Group, a global network of creative agencies, where she is responsible for designing and leading strategic initiatives that increase organizational capacity, innovation, and growth. With over 25 years of experience as an accomplished executive, Singleton is recognized for her success driving large-scale people and organizational change initiatives across a wide range of industries, having held talent leadership roles at J. Walter Thompson, Crunch Fitness International, and Bloomberg LP. Previously, Singleton was EVP Diversity Strategy and Talent Development at the American Association of Advertising Agencies, or the four A's, where she provided leadership and advice to senior advertising and media agency executives working to create and activate strategic approaches to diversity and inclusion. Singleton was the visionary and architect of high-profile initiatives, including the Face of Talent Symposium and the Ad Industry's only Talent Leadership Conference, Talent at 2030. She also led the transformation of the renowned multi cultural advertising intern program and the 4A's foundation. After assuming PL responsibility for talent development and diversity-related revenue streams, Singleton consistently delivered on revenue and margin growth targets for the organization. Singleton is involved in many community organizations, including Own the Room and Figure Skating in Harlem and the Advisory Board of the Brand and Integrated Communications Program. She's received numerous awards and accolades from the American Advertising Federation, the 4 A's, Ad Color, the National Diversity Council, the World Diversity Leadership Summit. Additionally, Singleton was named one of 2019's most influential women in corporate America by Savoy Magazine, one of Adweek's 2020 Women Trailblazers, and one of New York's most outstanding corporate citizens. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation, and I'm so excited to hear what you think. Thanks for joining us. I am Singleton Beato. I am the Global EVP and Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for McCann World Group. And just so that everyone is aware, McCann World Group is a network. Um, we've got over 100 offices and we service um, uh, so many of um, the world's most highly regarded brands in helping them to ensure that the messages um, and images that they send out into the world are um, culturally resonant, relevant, and respectful. So in terms of my career, um, I mean, I just, I just think my story is one of uh, continuous discovery, honestly, and being open to um, new opportunities, even if um, I am not familiar with either um, an industry or a sector. Um, you know, I, I think that that is probably been the most important aspect of my journey 
because that openness and that and that curiosity and willingness to learn um, allows me to go into places and spaces with um, uh, in a way that allows me to be adaptable because I come to the situation just seeking, seeking information, seeking, seeking insight from other people. Um, so when I first started, uh, my intention was certainly not to be in advertising. I think, uh, some of the things that we hear from leaders in this business around the world are people don't know, young people don't know enough about this business. And I will agree that that is true. I did not grow up knowing much about advertising as a business, um, obviously, like everybody else, I sang the jingles, I watched the commercial, but you know, I didn't know about it as a career opportunity. I was always very interested in entertainment. Um, my early, my early years um, were really around acting and singing and choreography and dancing and songwriting and all of those things. So while I probably never envision myself in advertising full stop. I did always envision myself in a creative industry where the, the story and the song and the motion and the images were um, working together to make people uh, feel something or be inspired. Um, so I think that was sort of always my story. And uh, that's brought me to this place. I think that um, what's been super important is that I have always had these great um, inspiring people in my life uh, that were either mentors or guides or, um, you know, family members that would always encourage me to be bold in moving forward. And at a certain point in your career, uh, if you take some sort of courageous steps when you're young, because that's when you can do it. Young people, if you're listening to me, screw up all the things now. Try things, screw it up, fail, learn, get better, um, challenge yourself. Uh, but I think after you do that a few times, you do start to feel a little bit more emboldened because you know that a misstep is not going to kill you. And it, you might as well try. Like there's nothing that's wrong with trying to go for it, whatever the it is. Um, because a lot of times if you do, you will be successful in achieving whatever it was you were, uh, you were working toward. So that's kind of my story. I love it. Um, do you have an example of when when you took a leap or took a risk or, you know, kind of failed forward that you can share? Um, so I will say uh, I will do two because a risk for me was probably taking on my very first executive level job. And uh, some people that know my history know this story, but it was really um, a conversation that I had with my mom who um uh, was just uh, the most amazing woman um, 
literally to grace the planet for the years that she did. So, you know, I called her when I'd received an offer from, um, from a, an organization to really move into a C-suite role. And I was terrified. <laughs> and this was really my safe person to say, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I'm, I don't know if I can do this. This is a, seems like a big deal now. And I don't know, you know, and she said, Oh, are you scared? I was like, I'm terrified. She said, then you must do it. You must like now you must do it. It's not even a choice anymore. So, of course, you know, mother knows best. And I did take that leap. And uh, without taking that risk, I I absolutely would not be uh, in the role that I'm in today at the level of seniority I am in my in my company today. Um, so that's that's an example of taking a risk. Um in terms of failing forward, I mean, I don't know how much time you have if you're talking about failing, but um, because you don't, you can't grow if, if you don't fail. You just can't, you know. Um, I would say probably an example was um, many years ago, I was, um, I had my first experience with um, unionization in a company. Didn't know much about unions. Didn't know much about the process at that time. And there are rules, like there are rules of engagement. (laughs) You know what I mean? And um, at the time, I did not know what those rules were. So I went into the conversation with the other side, um, being transparent and honest about some things that maybe I should have held back for a period of time. Like there's just sort of a way that you go about sharing one another's side or perspective or desire. Like there's, you know, there are rules. And so I would say um, I made a misstep. It wasn't a complete disaster because I had an incredible mentor and in my boss at the time who, and this is the critical part of being able to learn from failure, being able to recognize that it was a failure, right? Because a lot of times you can have a misstep and no one will tell you. So you can't grow from that. You can't go, oh, what was I thinking when I did that? Why did I do that in this incorrect way? Or why was that a failure? And so so now I know what not to do in the future. But I had this great boss and mentor. Uh, his name's Harold Morgan. And um, one of the best people that I've ever worked for in my entire career. And he let me know, but in this really... Um, kind way. He let me know that I had made a misstep that was important for me to recognize and grow from. Um, He did not use it as an opportunity to scold, but he gave me really corrective feedback in a way that I could use and move forward with. So now, you know, that's part of what, you know, a, a set of skills that I have, um, you know, labor relations and, and, and everything having to do with unionization um, and more. But it's, that was a, an instance where I failed. Part of the failure was not 
taking, um, not being proactive in learning about this particular area uh, before going into the conversation. And I would say uh, that's another really important piece of feedback that I have for everyone. You've got to do your homework. Like, do not assume that, you know, we're just people talking to people, dealing with people in every situation in our in our lives. There are scenarios and circumstances that we need to become very well versed in before we are able to uh, move in those spaces with great authority um, in the way that we want to. Yeah, so so many gems in what you just said. I mean, I think the homework thing is something I talk about a lot and it's so shocking how many times people don't do it, right? But it's really, it's a gift to the to everybody in the room, right? When you show up prepared and it's it sets a, a tone and a level of respect, but also I, I've had similar experiences with um, mentors or bosses who have been really generous with their feedback, you know, <laughs> um, and, and in terms of like the ability, you know, usually it's those people who are really invested in your growth, right? Who will give you that gift of grace, but also space to say, look, like this is where you know, you could have been better and, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to hold you to the standard and, and help you grow. Um, that's, that's really cool. Really cool. So you said some things in the opening that I, I want to kind of double click on. One was, um, that you've always been encouraged to be bold, which is also an amazing gift, right? You, you sounds like you've surrounded yourself with all the right people. And then two, that the convert, that part of your responsibility is to make sure that the imagery and, you know, that the messages that are going out are respectful, relevant and resonant. Did I do that right? Yeah. Okay. I love those three words. Um, and doing that with, you know, having worked with big Fortune 500s my whole career as well, right? Those are, those are, um, can sometimes be tricky, but also conversations which, with all, which also require some courage, um, and some tact and some grace and, you know, a, a lot of different things. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you approach that, but also how do you, how you model that and teach that? Cause it's, I, I know it's not always you in the room, right? But how do you set that standard for the account managers, for the strategists, for the creative people who are in the room? With the clients so um like how do you how do you train and model that for the organization uh to be bold <laughs> yes bold but also specifically with respect to respectful um oh, resident and, okay. right um yes so so um there are two things um i can share the first is giving people language you know, I think a lot of times um, we all move at a breakneck pace in our day-to-day jobs. This is a given. And because of that, we forget to be sensitive and aware of the world around us and aware of the impact that we can have as individuals in our individual roles on the world around us. And we tend to look at even some of the issues that come up in in culture um, that do not take these things into consideration. We look at those things as separate from ourselves (laughs) and separate from what we do. And um, so part of the work that I do with my incredible team is make sure that we give language to the people in these different roles so that they can speak with their clients and their teams about 
why it's important to be culturally respectful and resonant in our work and sensitive about the world around us and the nuances in culture, right? So it's not just the macro culture. There are now micro cultures and subcultures that we have to take into consideration. So that's the first thing is, you know, I give a lot of language. I find um, a variety of different methods to help people become more um, culturally um, um, aware of what's happening and and what we need to be thinking about in order to keep ourselves and our clients ahead of the game in terms of those things. Um, we talk a lot about intercultural competency, which we work to build through a lot of storytelling initiatives because the best way for people to learn is through stories, right? I mean, training's important, but it's really tough to make that training stick beyond that moment. But when you tell stories, is people receive that information in a very different way. So we try to build intercultural competency in that way. So giving people language and scenarios that they can connect to and hold inside of themselves in their brain and in their heart and in their mind. So when they go to apply it to the work, there is not um, uh, some of the need to do that isn't set aside or something to uh, to figure out later, we really think about the intercultural implications of the work we do upstream and in the beginning. So the language piece is critical um, and making sure that people have the right experiences to receive that language and to apply that language and what they learn. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is tools, right? Because again, Sometimes we get to a point where we can be um, aware enough that there is a lot happening around us um, at any given time, but sometimes to have the right tools or frameworks to be able to recall what you learned so that you can apply it in a deep and meaningful way is useful. So for example, we've created um, what we call conscious inclusion toolkits for every single one of our departments. Because the way that I want you to think about your intercultural development and the application of your thinking and your work, um, when you're, when you are taking whatever uh, steps you need to in your particular job, you know, I want you to have something that you can look at and say, oh, that's right. That's right. I need to look at, you know, not only the macro culture, but the micro culture. And here's a link to a resource where I can always stay fresh and relevant in that information. Or here's, here's where I can go to remind myself of some of those interesting stories that we learned about that could be particularly useful as we do this work for this brand, whatever it is. So making sure that there's, you know, language and tools together that can be applied in an instant um, have been very, very useful to our organization and the people that do the meaningful work um, for clients. 
It's um, it's so similar. It sounds really similar to the way that we've developed our curriculum, which is framework based coaching with strategies wrapped in stories, right? <laughs> and that it just it's so. I mean, we talk a lot about challenges with uh, workplace development, and they you know it's either really expensive and super sticky, or not expensive and doesn't sit right. Like I. The number of women's leadership offsites that I went to and got very inspired, and then two weeks later found myself doing the same thing I was. <laughs> so, so I think the approach you're taking is not only impactful from a training perspective, but also in terms of really having people take it personally, right, and make it make it their work, right. That I think that's that's part of the key. So that's what a powerful what a powerful role. It's so cool too to because um, so many times we talk to chief diversity and inclusion officers, and their work is more about the internal culture. But I love that a big piece of your work is about the work, right? <laughs> Making sure the work reflects the values. Do those two things intersect? Like, or I, I mean, would you, uh, all culture has a way to go, right? But, um, uh, but how, how do you make sure, or is, is, does your role intersect with someone else's role? How, how does that work at McCann? Cause it's different uh, in terms of what I'm hearing. Yeah. <clears throat> so ours is, an independent discipline. Okay. So we partner for so for the internal talent practices and processes, we partner obviously with the talent division of the business. So that's everyone from the people that lead training to talent management to recruiting and the like. And then when we are focused on inclusive marketing and making sure that we embed key principles of DEI. Um, throughout the end-to-end creative process, our partners are either our strategists, our creatives, um, our, or our production folks, quite frankly. Um, we have a consistent partnership on both sides with the folks in what we call business leadership and what other people refer to as account management. So um, yeah, there's a lot of partnering that goes on. Um, we are very fortunate that we have a leadership team that understands the value of ensuring that this work is not only internal facing. And I think it's helped us to accelerate a lot of um, the outcomes that we intended to in 2018 when we started this process um, because we've been able to uh, talk to our work internally in a way that help people understand the interrelationship between the the conditions internally for people, including but not limited to people from marginalized communities, and how those people and their perspectives, together with everyone else's can influence the work in a way that really accelerates your opportunity for growth, for reputation, and for really doing an incredible job for brands. So it really is, uh, you know, our ability to be in the middle of all those things that I think has helped people to understand, oh, this isn't just about um, our, our work with uh, HBCUs and, and making sure we have more women in leadership. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, you're you're a couple steps ahead of ahead of so many so many other companies. So that, that must be exciting. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? 
Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Shifting gears a little bit, did you always know that you would be a leader? (laughs) No, I did not always know. I will tell you that I come from a long line of um, women who have very strong personalities and perspectives that they don't hesitate to share. So I did have that the example of um, this incredible, incredible group of of people who demonstrated leadership in my life. Um, So while I don't think I consciously ever thought that I would be a leader, I guess coming out of my family, there's sort of no other way, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Great. Um, I'd love to know, uh, you know, and it sounds like you've you've gone, you've made a couple of leaps in your career, right, from different industries to different, you know, organizations. How did you, what was the key to kind of, you know, we talked to a lot of people about clarity on your own career path. And so many women sit and wait for somebody to tap on the, tap them on the shoulder for the next opportunity, or my work will speak for itself, or, you know, I don't know if I can take the leap, all of these different dynamics that we hear. Um, how did you gain clarity on um, on kind of your career path, and um, and I guess what would you say is is the key to gaining that clarity and really landing in your purpose? You know, I think <clears throat> what is key or what has been key for me is taking the time to be present to what was happening with me, you know what I mean? Being present to myself and how I was responding to different subjects, different areas of the business. For example, <clears throat> at a, before I took the job at the forays, Uh, which is the American Association of Advertising Agencies for People That Do Not Know. And this is the trade association over the industry um, that provides leadership and guidance to agency leaders, full stop. So before I took that job, I began to realize how passionate I was about, in particular, about the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it was an interesting awakening for me because I come from like a long line of mixed race people and like, it's just very complicated, my, you know, my lineage, if you will. Um, But I found myself being very passionate about it, but also being able to draw on so many areas of study. Remember I talked about being prepared and doing your homework. So many areas of study that I was able to draw from when I spoke about DEI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't ever coming from this conversation um, or coming to this conversation um, in the spirit of 
merely developing pipelines of talent to come into a particular business. It was never that. It was about what is happening in the world? How does all this tie to the history of the world and the history of the United States and things like that? Um, so I think it is really me being present to myself and then being able to say, ooh, it seems like you're real serious about that area. Did you know? You know, and so um, that helped to guide um, the the shift that I made into completely focusing on DE&I, um, separate from just the talent and employment conversation. Um, I think that what is super important, you know, and uh, just referencing something that I said early on, when people are going through their career, they must try different things because it is the collection of these experiences that allows one to, at a certain point, identify the thing that allows sort of their capability and their aptitude and their passion to come together to allow them to be successful in something, successful and fulfilled in something. So when you're talking about your purpose, I think that's how you find it. You've got to get in a lot of different things. I have a young um, uh, niece. She's 22 and brilliant and amazing. And um, like a lot of 22-year-olds, a little bit um, shy and unsure of um, just how incredible she is, which is okay. But we talked about the importance of experiences, you know, you got to try different things. You got to put yourself in different places and spaces so that the, you receive a lot of um, inputs from different people and experiences um, so that at, at a certain point, the collection of all that just bubbles up to the surface. And if you're present to yourself and how you're feeling and what you start to be organically passionate about and driven toward, you will find your purpose, but you will probably find it in a way that um, allows you to have prepared to step into it because you have gone through that sort of process of self-discovery. If that makes sense. Totally, totally makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Um, tell me about how you, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you were, the expectation was um, resilient and confident coming out of your household, which I love too. Um, how did you build confidence? Um, and did you uh, employ techniques um, that helped you overcome fears or limiting beliefs? Um, I, I it, Well, I don't know that I ever thought of it as a technique, but I will say overcoming fears and limiting beliefs. I'll take that one first. Um, I I will say just pushing forward. You know, I gave that example early on of my my mom's advice to me where she said, you know, if you are afraid then you must move through it. Looking back, that was, I don't know, 30 years ago. Looking back on it, 
I realized that the reason she was saying that was because she knew that if I pushed forward, even in the space of the limiting belief, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm equal to this next level job. I'm terrified that I will fail. She knew that if I pushed through it, I would learn something on the other side, probably that I could do it, right? Because just like that example I gave about my my niece, oh, I see her potential. She doesn't see it yet. She's 22, right? But I think she knew, my mom, that if I pushed through, that I would learn the lesson of, yes, you can do that thing. So even if you've got that limiting belief in your head, what you have now learned is that you can push through and something good's going to happen on the other side. Even if you fail, which usually if you push through and you're a hard worker, you're not going to fail um, in a way that is detrimental. You'll fail in a way that is um, elevating your potential. Um, so I think it is going through enough periods where I was present to my fear and I pushed through anyway, it became kind of a learned behavior, you know? And so I, I would say if that, you know, when we're talking about techniques, I think the learned behavior is just acknowledging that thing is scary, just pulling myself back from it and telling myself some truths. Why is it scary? Like, is that an objective thing or is that just something you making up in your head? <laughs> And if it's an objective thing, it's probably because you feel like you're not prepared enough to meet the moment, the conversation, the task, whatever it is, do your homework <laughs> so that you could take the leap and address that failure head on. And more probably than not, you're going to come out okay. So that is probably the technique that I would pass on that I would say I am present to that being a thing for me. Um, and I would say that really is what has helped me to build confidence because for me, confidence has come from a series of coming through a series of situations where it's like, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'll be all right. Oh, I did that. Okay. Oh, I was good at that. Oh, oh. You know, so you do enough of that and then you sort of feel like, then probably I can do this other thing. I can probably do the next thing too. Wait a minute. And as you grow in your career, you get into rooms where you go, I'm, I am just as smart as the people that are around this table. What was I so worried about? Now I feel confident. I get it. I'm able. I'm capable. I am worthy. I am valuable and I am um and I should be here. I I am equal to this moment and this space and this place that I occupy right now. That's so great. I I mean it's the the flip from just the assumption that maybe maybe I couldn't to I absolutely can, right? <laughs> and that I I I I can identify a couple moments where that happened for me and it, it's such a powerful experience. Um that's that's wonderful. And I thank you, by the way, for speaking of storytelling, you pulled the whole thing together beautifully. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, tell me a little bit about daily habits. Um, do you have any sort of daily habits that you employ that um, you feel like have made you particularly successful? 
Um, I will tell you that there are daily habits that if when I am consistent with them, they are helpful um, because I that that probably is a challenge that I have is just making sure that I make time to apply those daily, daily habits. The first is truly setting your intention for the day. Write down what you have to get done. There are people that go, yes, I have a list and I, those lists are good. Keep doing it. <laughs> Because even if you never revisit that list, it is really setting your brain for what you need to do. I will say what has helped me is to, at the end of the day, reconcile that list. Because sometimes you put a list of 10 things on there and you only got to two if you're lucky. That's okay. That's okay. But you don't want to lose sight of them sight of those things that you need to get done. So I would say the start of the day, just kind of do a check-in. What's your intention? What are the things you have to get done? At the end of the day, what did you get done? What do you need to move to the next day? Um, what can you give to someone else? Like there are things that you can delegate to your team or to your family. Don't be afraid to do that either. So, you know, what are those things? Um, because as particularly women... I, I hate I hate to say that, but particularly women in our roles, very often we feel like we have to do all of the things. We do. We just, you know, it's easier to do it myself or it's faster if I don't give it to him or her. You know what I mean? They're like, what, the kid's probably never going to get to it. So what's the point? Or there's no one else to get it done. There's always someone else to lean in and help you a little bit. So I would say, you know, doing those two checkpoints at the day that these are great strategies. And the other thing is exercise. I will tell, and I know people have heard this and I will tell you, I hate to exercise. Like I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. However, there is no denying the difference in how I show up for myself before I even show up for anyone else. There's a difference. There's a difference in how I feel. There's a difference in how I, in my outlook on the world. There is a difference in how I even view the, the challenges that may be ahead of me on any given day when I move, when I spend 45 minutes to move my body and get a little bit of the kind of chemicals going internally that make you feel like a little bit more courageous and like importantly like you've done something for yourself and then the last thing i'll say is in line with doing something for yourself put time on your calendar that is for you what gets on the calendar gets done we know this is true so proactively Mark time on your calendar so that you've made space for yourself. Again, these are three things that I think are very important. I myself have to get a little bit more consistent with them. But when I am consistent, I will tell you it really takes my own performance as an individual and then as a professional to the next level. And I feel the difference. I needed to hear that today. So thank you. Because <laughs> I know those things. And today I don't have time on my calendar for exercise. So now I'm going to make it. So thank you. <laughs> You're, it's so, I mean, it's like, uh, it's all the simple things. And actually, that's part of the thesis we have with this, like this idea of a career fitness platform is that there are these navigational skills that one that like many people don't 
Like that's, that's what holds a lot of people back is the lack of navigation. It's not ambition or ability, but then it's also deploying some of these tactics, right. And, and doing it in ways that are manageable. Like you talked about taking five minutes and doing the list. I, I talked to one of our graduates who said, you know, before this, I, I felt like a squirrel where all day I was just sort of scurrying around, like collecting nothing. You know, first, and she said the biggest change, transformational change is now I take 10 minutes of my day and I'm really intentional about how I spend my time. And I think that's, I mean, it's, it's also how, um, how people get into the trap of that non-promotable work, right? Like, are you doing right? And women especially get stuck, you know, like, are you taking the notes? Are you right? And, and who else can do that kind of stuff? And, um, I also love calling out delegating to your family because there's definitely not enough of that that happens. So, all right. So, so uh, one thing that comes up all the time um, is setting and achieving goals. And um, I think it's it, this is one of those things that, you know, we all know we should do. And, you know, it's like New Year's resolutions. You start out with great intentions. And even I'm notorious for like starting the quarter with here's what I'm going to accomplish and then ignoring that until the night before my performance review and then going back through my calendar and saying like, what did <laughs> So, um, so I like part of that, we're creating this for ourselves, but, um, but tell me how you set and manage and, uh, like manage to, and, and achieve the goals that you set out for yourself. What does that look like? So I rely heavily on technology to help me with that. Um, so a couple years ago, similar to the conversation that we just had um, where we talked about setting time for yourself and to exercise and things like that. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and she was not taking time for herself. And I said, look, just put some things on your calendar so that you can achieve your goals. Like if your goal is to do an hour, take an hour for yourself, put it on the count, use a technology, right? Okay. So I didn't really think much more about it than me talking to a girlfriend, you know, giving her some advice. However, during COVID, so I guess this was before COVID that we, she and I had that conversation. And importantly, one of the things that I said to her when we were talking about this, because she's got kids, and we were talking about the importance of taking care of your health because we want to be able to, you know, be here for our kids and be, you know, sharp and um, taking care of yourself as a part of that. And I said to her, so when, so even when you think about it for yourself, you might not do it. But I'm challenging you to answer the following question. Aren't your kids worth an hour? That's the hour that you're giving to your kids, right? Okay. So then COVID hit. And I gained 40 pounds. And I said earlier, I could go a long time without leaving my house. Well, in COVID, we went a long time without leaving our seats or our bedroom. So I like left my bed to the desk and back. Okay. And I ate all of the things because I was here and I could. Well, and obviously this is not an advertisement for this company, but um, I began to use Noom. Okay. Now, I always 
had conversations about how technology can help to um, to provide interventions that keep you moving towards your goal. Always talked about it. I am not a technologist myself. I always say I'm a suffering technologist because I believe in my brain I can design the thing. I can tell you what it's supposed to do. I can't, I, but I can't make it happen, right? Anyway, so I had long been thinking about that in the spirit of inclusive behaviors, right? Okay. But then I come across Noom. And what Noom does is it allows you to use your technology to set a goal for yourself and to work in a reasonable manner toward that goal every day. And so the great thing is that like you'll get a pop-up where the little Noom thing is like, hi, you didn't log any of your food today. Hello. And it allows you, especially those of us with busy careers, it allows you to go, all right, yeah, I got to do that thing, right? And along the way, it teaches you why you need to do those things in short, bite-sized ways throughout the day. And before you know it, it's a week. One of the things that we know is time moves by quickly, right? So if we apply a little bit of intention to every single day to move toward a goal, you're going to get there because the time's going to go by. All you have to do is stay consistent. So I will say, um, I lost that 40 pound Magella because of technology and the interventions of technology to just keep me telling myself some truth every single day, reminding myself that it's up to me, but making the achievement of the daily goals actionable and accessible to me, right? So it's not overwhelming. So I go a bit at a time. So I, I will say when it comes to achieving goals, the number one thing is use your technology, use it, put things in the calendar. The calendar allows you to have reminders. You can remind yourself of something a week, you know, a week before the, the due date of whatever it is you wanted to achieve, Right. And um, making sure that you set milestones for all goals. You can't, you know, my husband says, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like you can't go full throttle in a month. Like what's your goal? Set a reasonable time to achieve that goal. What are your milestones? Put them in the calendars. Use your technology to keep you on task. Think, make sure that you are using technology that is part of your day to day, right? So that you, you know, you get a pop up when you have a meeting coming, right? Okay. Same thing. So I would strongly encourage people that need to achieve any kind of goals, put the goal on the calendar, set the milestones and the timers. That's so great. I, um, I, I had a similar experience with Noom after I had our, my second child. And um, I always, I just, and it's actually the inspiration for the platform that we're building, like Noom for Your Career, because of all of the reasons that you're talking about. Um, and, and part of it's goal setting. A lot of it's also leadership behavior. And so and we, we should, we should set up another meeting to talk about that because I'd love to share it with you. But the, the, uh, because we, you know, we work with women mid career, which is when life gets, really full, right? And so that's when women stop investing in themselves because they're investing. So there's so much other labor, labor that's happening around. But the my Noom story is I would go to work and I would go to the mother's room and 
dial into my executive council meeting, you know, on mute while I was pumping. And then I would like sort of get myself together and have five minutes before my next meeting. But that was the five minutes during which I did Noom. And it worked, right? And so like, if we can make it work in those, because I'm not going to like, my co-founder has no kids. And we always joke like, in no world am I ever going to make a vision board? Like, it's just not going to happen, you know? Like just not not me, not my life. Not, but if you gave me a series of this or that images and then you constructed it for me, right? Like, which is, I feel like the Noom-like experience, that kind of thing. I think, that, you know, and you said accessible, like that it's such an important piece of not only goal setting, but also meeting people at the most pivotal moment of their career, which is in the middle, right? <laughs> Where we either, you know, fuel them with rocket fuel or they sort of like peter out or, you know, sort of stay stagnant. So, yes. Um, Cool. Very cool. Um, well, congratulations on accomplishing that big goal. That, that's no joke. <laughs> Good for you. Um, okay. Uh, one of the things that we also see um, a lot of folks struggle with is um, kind of building strategic and powerful relationships. And it sounds like you had some amazing mentors. You have an incredible family. Um, one of the um, biggest barriers we hear that people run into is just, um, I don't want to ask for help, or I feel like I'll be a burden to somebody or like, or they just didn't, you know, I think in some uh, cultures, it's it's more acceptable, you know, <laughs> to ask for help than others. And in, in some cultures, it's more expected than others, right? So um, how would you coach someone who was um, concerned about or, you know, sort of facing that barrier and unsure about asking for something from someone else in their network? Um, I would say two things. The first is approach, approach it as um, an effort to strengthen a relationship. I think we get caught up in, I need a mentor or I need a whatever it is. I can tell you there are a ton of people that I have mentor-like relationships with, but it's not like there is a regular, regularly scheduled two-hour something. It is mentoring through relationship. And what that allows these folks to do that that want some information from me or want me to provide guidance um, or help them through a situation or whatever, it allows them to just reach out to me for a conversation. Hey, can I pick your brain on? That's all. It doesn't have to be, you know, and over time, and most people will say to you, yeah, sure, pick my brain all you want to. Yes, yes, yes. We're busy, yes, yes, but it doesn't mean that a half an hour here, a half an hour there, whenever, just to pick my brain on something or have a conversation about something you're thinking of doing to get my point of view on it, I I can do that. And most senior women, most senior people can do that and will do that. So I think it's most important to take it out of some of the nomenclature that suggests that there needs to be this structure around a relationship, just engage in a relationship, just have a conversation, just have a coffee. So there's that piece, right? But I do realize that there is a vulnerability in that, right? That some people don't, listen, I, at my, my point in my career, um, 
I, I don't love reaching out to people I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not a comfy feeling. So here's another tactic. Use communities. Here's what I mean. There are groups of people that talk about different subjects all the time. All the time. You can find them online. You can find them now in person. There are trade associations that have group meetings and events and things like that. Now, we call them, quote, networking events, right? But if what we want to do is build new relationships with people that maybe have either more experience than us in our area of focus or some experience in a different area of focus that we're interested in, go to where they are. (laughs) Go to these networking events because then everyone is sort of primed for chit-chat and conversation that we all know can very well lead to follow-on conversations, right? So that's another way to come at this thing. If you don't want to do the one-on-one reaching out to someone you don't know or that you barely know kind of from scratch, then just go to a networking event where these people are and where they're talking to people. And, And a lot of times that is a really great way to spark the relationship building aspect of what eventually becomes or could become, you know, your personal board of directors or people that can advise you along the way um, or people that just become really, really great friends um, throughout your professional career or, or your lifetime. That's such great advice. That's such great advice. And it's interesting with the mentor thing, you know, so many people are, the asking is, is a, um, a barrier, but I love just thinking about it as, as another relationship because that takes some of the gravity out of it, I think, <laughs> which is, um, which is really nice. Okay. So we have lightning round questions. Um, I'm going to ask you five questions. Um, and then, and then we could wrap. Okay. Uh, so the first one, uh, what book has greatly influenced you? Um, Night by Ellie Wiesel. It's a great one. Um, what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Achieving your goals is a game of inches. Oh, that's so good. Um, what is one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Enthusiastic. Love it. Um, What's one change, whether it's a habit, behavior, or action that you implemented that made your life better? A daily personal check-in with myself, like a body scan. How are you feeling? How are you breathing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> things, things like that. Just really checking in on myself every day at the beginning of the day has been, um, has been an incredible um, thing for me to do for myself. And it is a habit now. That's cool. Um, what's your walk-up song? Oh, well, now it's Cuff It by Beyonce. <laughs> I love it. I know. That's what it is. Yeah. That was something. That was something last night. She's she's amazing. Um, my, I had a mentor who, rich, I stepped into her role when she retired, which was uh, at the agency, and she left me a Post-it note that said, Remember to eat, sleep, breathe, and pee. 
<laughs> I was like the checking in with yourself thing, right? It's just the, so, and she's like, the P thing was she would always say like, men will get up in the middle of a conversation. Women will sit there for the entire <laughs> and cross their legs and wait. I'm like, you are so right. That's so true. But the, you know, these simple things make such a profound difference in your day. Yeah. Well, it's just really, you know, we have to, as women, respect our humanity a little bit more. And it's hard because we're so busy solving all the problems for all the other people and doing all the stuff to make everybody else feel good or feel better or supported and things like that. And I know it's hard because I... I am a violator of this myself. Um, But if we could just be a little bit more conscious of ourselves, put up a sticky on your, on your laptop that just says, Hey, how you doing? Just do put it there just to remind you to go, Ooh, how am I doing? You know what I mean? Um, We've got, we have to do it. It is, it is critical to our success um, as women for ourselves and for our family. And it's critical to our success professionally. Got to take care of ourselves. Well, so far, I feel so lucky to have spent this hour with you. Thank you for the gift of your time and your wisdom. And, and I'm so glad to know you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.